Hello, everyone, and welcome to a Heart to Heart with Adoptions from the Heart podcast. My name is Amanda Aliberti, social worker at Adoptions from the Heart. We welcome you to our agency podcast, a platform to hear voices from all members of the adoption triad. We will be connecting with other organizations and professionals to collaborate about the services we offer our clients. We look forward to our audience learning more about adoption and the future growth of our community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Adoptions from the Heart, Heart to Heart podcast. This month is National Social Work Month. So we want to say happy uh, Social Work Month to all of our listeners and social workers. You know, it's actually funny this this morning I was on social media and I saw a meme of the Bernie Sanders meme where um, he's wearing the mittens and it says uh, every other month and then it said National Social Work Month and it was the same picture, but he just had a, a party hat on. And I just thought to myself, what a mood, you know, but um, that's definitely, um, I think, a mood that we all feel in after the past year that we've had um, as essential workers. We definitely have been out in the field last year at this time when it was National Social Work Month is when the pandemic really hit. A year later, here we are, and a lot has changed in the past year. And so that's why um, I thought it was really great if we focus this episode on the current field of social work, as I'm reflecting on what, you know, what has happened in the past year for me specifically, I was actually in my senior year of MSW program where I was completing my last internship for, uh, to graduate. And at the time when everything closed, everyone was like, we don't know what we're going to (laughs) do. And so it was, it was a crazy, crazy time. Um, crazy transition. And so today I thought it would be really great to bring on some of our interns. Uh, So we have social work interns here at Adoptions from the Heart. And so I wanted to bring them to the episode today to hear about their experiences. They've now had a full year of pandemic internship. Some of them are in their senior year, some of them are not. They are working towards a degree in the field. I wanted to talk to them about their experiences and how things have been to be in school right now, to be in your internship. How has the field of social work changed? I think it's really an important conversation for us to have. Let's start off with introducing Dr. Chelsea Toth. She is the director and field education and assistant professor of social worker at Cedar Crest College. We're so happy to have you uh, here with us, Dr. Chelsea Toth. We also have with us Nikki Orlman. Nikki is a social worker at our Allentown office of Adoptions from the Heart. She is in her senior year getting ready to graduate in a few short weeks. And so we're we're very happy to have you here with us, Nikki. We also have Siobhan. Siobhan is a senior majoring in human services, and she is located out of our Virginia office of Adoptions from the Heart. And then we also have Jackie. Jackie is uh, coming to us from our New Jersey Office of Adoptions from the Heart, um, and she is also in her senior year, a few short weeks to graduate, so congratulations to you as well. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. So ladies, just to start uh, talking, I think we all really de- do deserve to give ourselves some some pats on the back here. I mean, it, it has been quite a year, and I know that oftentimes social workers don't get the same type of um, appreciation, you know, as essential workers, as maybe some other fields. And there's certainly, you know, certainly doctors, nurses, they really do deserve, you know, a lot of appreciation, but specifically child welfare. We've been at the agency here, you know, children still need placements in homes and, and people are still looking to provide that. And so the work didn't stop. 
Um, it, it just was a little bit different, just changed the way we do things. And so um, I'd like to hear from you, how did you feel going into this year of school? So I went into it extremely nervous. I mean, this is my last year before I get my master's and I really was worried about not getting that experience that I needed. Just worried about what the supervision would look like, what support I would get if I was gonna be able to, to get enough hours. I know Jenna, you mentioned uh, beginning of the pandemic, you know, the school didn't really know what they were going to do when it came to hours. And it was kind of just, you know, panic. Um, but I think as social workers, yeah. that's what we do. We, uh, we work with the panic and we do the best that we can. Yeah, that's definitely a skill set that we get in school is to be adaptable and flexible. And we were quickly put in that action for sure. How about you, Nikki? Uh, I feel pretty much the same way Jackie does. Uh, it was a little unnerving going into this year, kind of not knowing how it was going to play out. Like she had said, how the internship was going to be, especially doing it virtually. It's it's a lot different than what, what we're taught, the social work that we're taught in school. You know, it's all it's all hands-on it's very personable so kind of learning to make the switch to doing everything virtually has been a challenge but I've adjusted pretty well uh, I, I still kind of miss seeing everybody in person but I know soon hopefully yeah well, as social workers we like to be social right Siobhan how about you yeah I definitely had the same sentiments I started looking for my internship in November and I just kept getting no's um, every time I asked an agency just because with COVID they weren't really ready to take on interns. Um, and luckily adoptions from the heart, like took me right in and under their wing. Um, so that was pretty nerve wracking at first. And definitely the adjustment from uh, being like in person to remote was really kind of a little hard to like get through at first, just because, you know, when you're in an office, you kind of I guess it's kind of like it functions kind of normally versus like being at home and being on Zoom. Like, you know, I had to remember dates really more and be like more punctual and stuff just because, you know, Zoom links go missing or they don't get sent out. So um, definitely was nerve wracking at first. But just like Jackie said, you know, we just adapt and we're, you know, felt like I was able to be really flexible with the experience. So, yeah. So Dr. Dr. Chelsea Toth, I mean, Siobhan brought up an interesting point here, which I think is something we should, we should touch on. Did you find it was hard to find placements for students this year? Um, you know, were agencies really, you know, hesitant to take on students? It definitely was a challenge for placement. I like to have all of my students placed before the end um, of the semester. So before we all leave for summer break, I really want the students to feel comfortable to know they have a placement moving forward when they come back to school in August. Um, but this past summer was really um, because of COVID and because, you know, we lost several placements, but even we had students lined up for placements, um, you know, May, June, and then come August, it was oh, well, we can't host a student anymore. So I had one student three days before the semester started where we were scrambling to find her um, wow. another placement because even though they confirmed their um, agency policy had changed and we really, um, it was a real challenge from an administrative standpoint to place our students. Because we are accredited through the Council on Social Work Education, the CSWE, was very gracious in their updating their policies. And so our students only had to meet 85% of their required hours for graduation. And so I know some of the students were mentioning their um, anxiety about meeting their hours. So thankfully the students this year got their hours waived so they didn't right. have to 
maintain the same amount of hours that they normally would be needed to require for graduation. So I think that was helpful from that perspective, from a student perspective, to really be able to get the hours and more flexibility of the type of hours that students were able to get, that we can get, you know, virtual hours and we can get some other, you know, alternatives in there to maintain these hours and to meet the um, competencies and the standards. So I think that was really helpful too. Um, but back to your original point, it was a challenge to get students into placements. And I mean, we're still living in this world of COVID where um, even moving forward to next year, there are still some places that aren't open to hosting students. So wow. we're still working on um, trying to figure out our next cohort where they're, where they're going to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can imagine. We're on the upswing, but we're not quite there yet. <laughs> so, um, and so uh, listening to Jackie, Nikki, and Siobhan talk, it sounded like some of you maybe are experiencing um, some differences in your internship, even within Adoptions from the Heart. So I had mentioned you all were uh, interns here, but in different locations. Um, you know, Nikki, I, I heard you say something about being fully remote, um, but Jackie, I, I don't think that was that that was the case for you. So, so can you guys talk to me a little bit about, you know, are you getting field interaction or, you know, talk to me about, about what that's been like. I've been very lucky that I have been able to come in. All of our offices are separate from each other. We all wear masks. We're very COVID safe. Like we were, we were all talking about if I have a question or if I need supervision or if I'm on the phone with an expected birth mom and I don't know, you know, exactly what to say, I can just kind of pop my head out and say, Chris, help, you know, um, I have a ton of support from the social workers here. I have a ton of support from the office manager. I'm, I'm learning a lot and I'm getting to do a lot of hands-on work, which I know isn't the case. So I'm very, uh, very grateful for that. Uh, and so client work too, are you seeing clients in person as well? Yes. So we will meet do the first pre-counseling session in the office in our conference room and then kind of after that do more zoom sessions but we do go to the home for home visits if we do have a placement occur the adoptive parents and um, baby will come to the office so we do have contact with uh, clients yeah for our listeners who may not know a lot about the offices of adoptions from the heart not only are we located in six different states so we're in connecticut new york pennsylvania new jersey delaware and virginia but each of our offices are unique in the way that they are too. And so I know for Virginia that, you know, it's a very studio-like office where it's very open. Um, and so I can imagine social distancing is a little bit difficult. And Nikki, who's at, you know, in my office here in Allentown, there's space, but it's filled right? So, so talk to me a little bit about your experiences. Yeah. So just like you mentioned, um, I'm not in the office at all, actually. I was in the office. I visited um, the office in Virginia maybe twice now. And from that point, they were like, okay, well, we'll call you if we need you to come in. But I feel like Adoptions from the Heart um, really has adapted really well with having the Zoom meetings. I mean, I meet with clients or I shadow, sorry, my supervisor with clients via Zoom. And that's been pretty convenient. I've also been on some birth parent support support group meetings on Zoom. Again, that's been something that I've loved just because it just brings in people from many different areas and it's a great way to keep everyone connected, honestly. But like I said before, it's definitely been a little bit of a challenge, I guess, kind of going from having that in-person interaction to being all Zoom. Because just like Jackie mentioned, you know, I, if I do have a question, I do have to shoot Nicole an email or I do have to send her a text and, you know, if she may, may, may be available then, she may not be. 
that's been maybe the one thing I would say is the challenge. I'm about the same as, as Siobhan with how I'm working and where I'm working. You know, like Jenna had said, the office in Allentown, everybody has their own office space. So when I first started the internship, I, I was in the office for a little bit, but then as things kind of started to get a little crazy in COVID world, they kind of restricted how many people were in the office at the time and asked me to work from home, which was a little bit of a transition, but you know, it worked out well. Um, I have my own setup at home that I work from and I am doing, everything is pretty much through Zoom. We have met with clients for home, st- or for home visit, as well as going to the hospital to meet with, with birth mothers. So I'm getting a little bit of both. Yeah. And so Dr. Toth, I'm interested to hear your perspective. Do you feel like your students are getting what they need out of their internship or are you really seeing some barriers too to some of this? That's a great question. I'm actually um, partnering with some of my colleagues and we've been conducting research for our social work students in the field um, at some of our local institutions here. And um, our initial research was last year when all this started. Um, And one of the big responses from students at the height of the pandemic, similar to like you said, when you were in school, Jenna finishing your master's was this really unknown, but a big thing that came out of that was their resiliency to transition to the use of technology, right? Because as essential social workers, a lot of social professionals we're not using technology. It's all face-to-face or phone calls or in offices or um, some agencies are still paper documentation and don't use electronic record. And so we had to quickly transition to other methods. One key thing that stood out last year with the research was that preparedness for the field, right? So now I've had this shift. So how do I know that I, as a social work intern, am going to have the skills to be prepared to be a social work professional because in a few weeks, um, you know, the three of you are going out into the world to be social workers, right? Um, And so how do we, how do we include those preparedness skills? And so I think a big challenge this year for our students who have been in the transition with the pandemic to virtual is really making sure we go back to those nine social work competencies and make sure that we're following through um, with appropriate supervision to say, because they're you know shadowing or because we're virtual, how are we making sure that we're still engaging with clients, right? Or we're still able to do assessments and we're still able, able to apply interventions and do documentation because those are the real core you know, social work skills, right? And so... Um, it's been important to do that. And some of our students do have the opportunity to be essential workers and they're face-to-face, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and other of our students are in this more virtual environment where they don't have the opportunity to go um, to the office. So it is definitely um, a unique experience, but I think if we're looking moving forward, you know, I think this opened the door for more of this tele tele-social work and being able to provide services in different ways that we haven't historically been able to. We've certainly seen pros and cons, right? I mean, I mean, I think everyone has, but um, you know, transportation. So let's talk about our birth parent clientele. You know, transportation is usually a really big barrier for our clients. And so they can't always make it to the office or don't have a car or, you know, money for a bus pass. And so the agency did have an Uber account where we would Uber, you know, the birth mothers to our office, um, or we would go drive to them and meet in the home or in the community. But certainly, you know, downloading an app and getting to see someone face to face has been has been great. Um, but though the downfall to that is, you know, we as social workers, we have felt that making that rapport 
has taken a little bit longer, you know, because in person, you know, sometimes you're able to build rapport at a faster pace than, than you are virtually. Um, so while it's great that we can connect, you know, it's almost like you need a good balance of both. And so that's certainly something that we've seen here. You know, another benefit though is I'm meeting with all of you today via Zoom. Our interns previous years just work with their office and their social workers. You know, each office has social workers and supervisors and, you know, and it was very much just that office where, where this year we were really able to connect them and they've worked on some projects together across the agency and in ways that they got to, you know, have support from one another too throughout this internship because they were able to connect and they're all in similar situations, similar shoes. And so, um, you know, trying to look at the glass is half full, I, I, I do think that that has been a benefit for them as well. I'm interested to hear though from the interns if they felt like it has been nice to work with others remotely. And if you've seen, have other of your other peers been, you know, in similar situations as you, or is your situation pretty unique? So I'd say my situation is pretty, pretty unique. I think this agency has done a great job at transitioning to online aspects. I know my other classmates just have not had similar experiences, whether they be in a school district or um, in a prison type setting, it's, it's just a lot different, so. Um, yeah, Jackie, I would agree. I would say in my class specifically, I would say more than half of the class is doing an alternative assignment, which is definitely not, I guess I would say the same experience that I'm getting. They're kind of doing like virtual, like avatar counseling that way versus, you know, despite the fact that I am on Zoom, I do feel like I am getting that field experience and I am able to connect just like Jenna said with, you know, everyone. And it was, that was really something that I really admired too, was when I'm in group supervisions and I get to meet like the different social workers within the agencies and stuff. And it just is a different perspective for sure. Yeah, I, I'd have to say the same thing. I know a few in my class, because my, my senior class is split up, so I only get to to know about half of the field that they're in. But the ones that I do know of, I think most of them are doing theirs. They're all in person. So I think I'm essentially one of the only in my particular class that's doing everything virtually. So it is interesting to kind of see the difference in how I'm navigating things virtually and how they're navigating things in person with clients and being in, in the office of their agency, for sure. Yeah, I think we all, you know, ethically, you know, we all have a code of ethics that we follow and that we, you know, take very seriously. Um, but when this pandemic first started, you know, a, a year ago, I think we, we were having a little bit of an ethical dilemma. You know, we are essential workers and we do need to be in the field, but we also wanted to be safe. You know, um, it was very scary and we wanted to we wanted to keep ourselves healthy and our families healthy. You know, that was, that was really hard. And, you know, Dr. Toth, did you have, you know, students who maybe were, you know, hesitant, I guess you could say, to get out there? Absolutely. I mean, we have students, it was um, a challenge for our students to finish up last year when all of this started. And we really talk about alternative assignments, right? There was a big push in um, coming up with all of these alternative assignments. And thankfully, we have this great national field director listserv. So there was a lot of ideas going back and forth for our students, um, you know, across the country to say, here's some, you know, this is a free training. This is a free webinar. This is, you know, let's a conference. Let's get our students involved. Because um, for last year, it was, 
we need to make sure our students graduate so they can become practitioners, right? You know, that was a big challenge. And then for students this year, I have students who have some, um, you know, pre-existing health conditions or some other factors that prevent them from being in the field. And so that's a challenge, right? Along with our other essential workers who aren't able to actually physically be into the field. Um, and so, but finding agencies that are 100% virtual that are willing to still supervise students is sort of a key turning point because, um, you know, thankfully adoption of the heart is one and you still, you know, you're sort of in this hybrid because you still meet with birth parents and you're still doing um, all of these events, you know, and meeting with parents and different methods. Some of our agencies are still all in person or this sort of hybrid model where they go into the office, but then they're meeting with their clients over Zoom or some sort of technology. Um, I have one student that I can think of that's in the field that she is 100% virtual and not for her lack of wanting to go to the office, mm -hmm. but because they're sort of cycling through one employee in the building a day because it's more of that studio setup, right? And so it's just not safe um, for them to be there. So I think talking about the layout of organizations is, is really important too, because we don't think about that everybody has an office with a door that they can close. And, you know, some people are in the studio space, some people are in cubicles and some, you know, sometimes our students are lucky that they get a desk and a chair and a computer um, to work <laughs> on, right? So when we think about internships, so, you know, this really bridges the gap between both of them. We're very grateful for agencies like Adoptions from the Heart that have the opportunity for our students to sort of do to do both right yeah and so to kind of switch gears a little bit to the to the field of social work in more generalized conversations and you know even specifically child welfare I think that we we've really seen the field itself change we had to we had to adapt we had to change and you know that transition was not only hard on the, on the social workers but also the clients you know, clients were used to visitations and support systems and in-person interaction and they, they had their services. And so I'd like to know, you know, by talking to your peers or, or your students, can you share with us some ways that you have, have seen the field of social work change? Can't speak specifically to my peers, but we did have a guest speaker in one of my classes and they were a case manager from a local hospital. They were doing inpatient, inpatient work okay. and um, in telling us a little bit about how things were going in the field, especially in the hospital setting, everything was pretty much done over the phone. Like even though they're in the hospital with the patients, they were calling the patients from the phone to do, That's interesting. Um, you know, assessments and getting them set up for you know, discharge and everything. And it, it just, it struck me because I, I feel like, especially in that setting, it should be a little more personable. There should be that in-person uh, contact and there's not due to COVID and it, it's really kind of a sad thing. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely agree. And it's interesting because they're both there in person. So you would think that that would be very, you know, like in-person interaction. So it's interesting that they, they're calling each other from down the hall. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Yeah, Nikki, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because um, I've been doing some outreach for the office and my outreach is by the phone. And um, last month I called some hospitals within the Virginia area and just kind of it 
their policies resembled exactly kind of what you were saying, specifically with placements and stuff. They were only allowing, you know, two visitors, you know, the spouse and the support person. So that makes it really difficult to have this whole support system within the hospital because many of the patients are only getting one or two people to be there with them. And um, I also was calling some agencies for drug and alcohol abuse and substance abuse. And a lot of those as well were only taking, you know, clients by the phone. Some of them were saying that the only way they can take intake is through the phone. They can't have clients come in. So it definitely, it seems like it's been pretty difficult for, you know, clients to, like you said, Nikki, get that personable and in-person interaction, because it's definitely something that it can be made through virtual, but it's definitely a little different, you know. And just kind of bouncing off of you, Siobhan, I think the pandemic has caused domestic violence to go up, has caused substance use to go up. And then it's like, we're not able to provide those services because of COVID. So we're, we're kind of just stuck almost, it feels like. So I agree with both you and Nikki. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my internship was in a clinical setting, but one of the departments there was uh, drug and alcohol and where I participate in running groups. And I think that, you know, initially the clientele um, who were recovering, um, whether from alcohol or some types of substance use, were very, um, very fearful of relapse because that network that they had um, changed drastically within, you know, less than 24 hours. Um, they were used to seeing these people in person for their group and supporting one another. And then the next thing you know, it was on Skype. I mean, we had used Skype at first. Um, and that was just, you know, I think that there was just a ton of fear. And and as we know, as professionals, you know, stress and things like that are can cause relapse. So it was very, I think, very challenging for some of those uh, folks who were who were in the group and, and really trying to stay sober. Because some of them would joke, though, well, even if I wanted to drink, it's not like anything's open anyway. But, you know, um, the other people in the group would say, we would find a way, you know, <laughs> um, because, you know, that's addict behavior, right? But I mean, just to talk about that field, for sure, uh, that was that was something. And I think we've all heard in child welfare, too, with, with kids not being in school, with kids not being in daycare, they're suggesting that maybe some... Um, um, child abuse uh, referrals are being underreported right now. And so that's also something that I think has really been something that we have all been keeping our eye out for because as mandated reporters, you're not seeing your clients and, and you're unable to identify some of those things that we're taught to identify. It is likely that these that cases could be not reported right now. And even with the schools, I mean, thinking about the influx of um, in the state of Pennsylvania, we don't have school social workers in every school like they do in New Jersey. Um, but we have a student right now who's interning at a school and she said a bit, that's a big concern, right? Is this, um, you know, laying eyes on the children because the amount of um, truancy or absences right now because um, the students aren't making it to their virtual school or um, some schools are transitioning to the hybrid model where they can go in person and they're really not you know, the children just aren't getting to school, right? And so there's a lot of pressure on um, the parents. There's a lot of pressure on those who are teachers or other essential workers or schools that are, you know, able to have social workers. That that's a big push right now is, you know, being a mandated reporter and, and trying to catch all that. But even the amounts of truancy and uh, missing school that I was just talking to our student who's out of school and she said the amount of students who are going to be kept back this year because the lack of educational support or their amount of absences in general is 
significant. It's almost half of what the school that she's in. And so I think that's also a real challenge presented. Talk about child welfare overall, right? That's a huge challenge. Yeah, yeah. And some of these students who are going to be going into internships this year are going to be faced with some of these challenges. You know, we, we had challenge one transition to this, and then we kind of figured it out, right. The best way we can. And then in many ways, we're about to transition back and, um, and we're going to really see firsthand, you know, some of the repercussions of some of the issues that might have come up, certainly more challenges ahead. Another thing I, I kind of want to touch base on is work-life balance, uh, self-care, We talk about that a lot, you know, in in school, or at least you should, right? Because uh, burnout is is something that we we all know happens in the social work field. Um, And it can happen quickly if 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 you don't pay attention to it. You know, this past year, I mean, at least I found it very challenging to to shut my computer, to walk away, um, you know, or just figure out, you know, my method of self-care was to get a monthly massage and I couldn't go do that. So I'd like to know, you know, how have you guys um, tried to manage self some self-care? So it's definitely difficult during the pandemic because you pretty much have your work and your school with you at all times, <laughs> at home, at work, in the coffee shop, wherever you are, you're, you're, everything's online. Um, so it's definitely a little overwhelming in that aspect. But I think just finding things, so walking my dog is huge. Every day, every night, whether it's twice a day, just walking my dog and turning off my mind and trying to separate myself from everything that I've taken on for the day. That's really my main thing. And then the other new self-care thing that I've had is playing Mexican train dominoes. With oh, my- okay. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's been cool. Yeah. Definitely during a pandemic though, because what is there to do, you know? Right. Um, for me, I I think I've just, I tried really hard to kind of get into meditation and just learning breathing techniques to kind of help me through any type of stress, because like you had said, Jenna, like working from home, it's, it's hard to kind of just shut it down. Whereas like, if you were in an office, like you can leave, shut the door behind you and just not think about it. You could go home, but doing everything from home, it's, it's a little hard to kind of do that. So just really just trying to, to shut it down and walk away from it has been a challenge. But like I said, in doing so, once everything kind of opened back up, I did, I started going for like bi-weekly massages. It was a little expensive, but it really helped. So between massages and just anything else. Yeah. I mean, one of the techniques my professor had taught me when I was in my undergraduate was to identify um, something on my ride home. So whether it was a stop sign or a building, you know, to, to identify a space. And when I got to that space, I owed it to myself to leave everything at work in that space and I would pick it back up the next morning. And so that's been my thing. For me, it's been really challenging because I work out of my living room. And so I can't leave it at the couch. That's where I hang out with my family, you know? So it's really been, you know, just that adjustment of that self-care has really been challenging to, to balance. And I admit, I, I, I haven't done a good job at it. 
Um, and I think that that's something that, you know, I think a lot of people would probably admit <laughs> this past year um, as we've really been trying to navigate this field. I really like that. Leave that at a location or at a stop sign. I, I really love that. For me, something that I do with my students and, and in, that I try to teach in class um, is this idea of a self-care safety plan. And for that, it's, you know, we go through and say, okay, can you identify three to five people you can call? right? Like who's, who are your people? Who can you call, you know, if you're, if you're having a day and then three to five healthy activities that you can do, right? Some positive coping strategies that you can do. And then who's your role model? So you can have two, one has to be somebody, you know, and one can be somebody famous that you don't know. Um, and mine is always my Dean of my school of social work where I got my master's um, and my other person, cause I know her. Um, and my other person is Brene Brown, who's the social work extraordinaire. Yeah. Um, and then what's your mantra or like your personal quotation that you live by, right? That's because um, I think that when we talk so much about self-care is that we miss this idea of like, we talk so much about safety plans and planning, but we always kind of forget about ourselves. So how do we make this like little self-care safety plan? You can write it on like a little index card or a post-it note and stick it in your wallet or somewhere um, that you have it. So when you're having a day, you can pull it up and be like, oh, that's right. I have these tools that I can use, right? These practical tools that can help me. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I really, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, because I do think that preventing burnout and keeping up with your self care is, is something that you'll see, you know, um, and I still see I've been in the field now for eight years, and it's still something I need to work on, because it's, it's not you never become a master at it, you know, um, and this field, we know it can be, you know, very emotional, and, and you can bring it home very easily. And but yeah, it definitely has been more challenging over the past the past year for sure. So to go back on to more maybe of a positive note, I'd like to know if anyone has anything they'd like to share about maybe a career highlight or something that, you know, has happened this past year that you feel, um, you know, was a great experience that you're very thankful for. I would just say getting the opportunity to intern at this agency, being an adoptee through this agency and having a relationship with my birth mom. She loves to hear about what I do every day at my intern internship. And then my parents, of course, love to hear about it too. So it's just really confirmed. I've always loved the internships that I've done, but this is the first one I really feel passionate about. Like, I feel like, wow, I could really, I could really maybe help, help people in this field. So I, I think that was really cool this year, uh, getting the opportunity. Um, yeah, Jackie, I agree. Just being able to intern with the agency was really like something that I was just so happy to come about. Just like you said, it's just kind of reaffirming like the skills that I've learned in my three years at, you know, trying to finish my undergrad. And um, it makes me feel like I maybe found a niche or a population that I really feel like I can help and, you know, reach awareness out to people. And despite the fact, again, that, you know, most of my internship has been through Zoom and whatnot, I still feel like I'm gaining those real life experiences and gaining the hands-on um, that I need to go into the field when I do graduate. I have to go back to the agency as well, that this has been the highlight of the year in spite of all of the challenges that we've all faced in kind of learning how to navigate you know, everything going on, the agency has been great in, in supporting me through my internship and, you know, having great supervision. And it's really helped me grow as a person and as a social worker and has 
allowed me to continue on with a, a job through the agency. So I am very thankful for that as well. Wow. I mean, I, I really didn't expect that. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, you know, uh, when I asked that question, I really, you know, meant it to be open-ended, but as the domestic program manager at Adoptions from the Heart, I mean, it really means a lot to hear you all, you know, have AFTH, Adoptions from the Heart, be your highlight. That really means a lot to us. And I know that the staff here at Adoptions from the Heart has, has been working so hard this past year. I'd like to give a shout out to all my staff and all the staff here at Adoptions from the Heart. Many of us have been here for a long time and some of us, you know, were just getting started, but everyone did a, a fabulous job under the circumstances. And I am so happy to hear that our, even our interns felt that community and felt that, um, and felt that support because uh, we know community and support is very important. And so hopefully that comes across to our clients as well. Um, and that they feel that same level of um, professionalism and same level of support. That's all we can do is our best to serve our clients. So I appreciate that. I was not expecting that, but I'm very happy to hear uh, your responses there. So thank you. So, you know, as experts who are about to graduate in internships, <laughs> um, what would you say to students who are just starting school? I'd love to know, um, you know, what advice would you give to maybe someone who's either just starting their senior year of field or, you know, maybe just someone who's just graduating high school and decided to pursue social work? You know, I'd say for social workers, resiliency and being able to transition and kind of make make anything out of something is what we what we need to learn and what we do best. So I would just say, keep motivated. You can do it. There, there are going to be challenges, but you know, there's always challenges and that's what we do best. We work best on how to figure out how to get around those challenges. Um, I'd say for social workers working, um, you know, through the social work program is there are going to be moments where you're going to, you're going to stop and you're going to think, why, why are we learning this? What, what is this all about? And that moment will come your senior year where it will click and you'll have this aha moment and go, oh, there it is. And, and know that your, the education that you received was the best possible education you could get to, to lead for a future that will just be great for you and for everybody. Just trust in the process keep moving on. Like Jackie said, there will be challenges. Um, just breathe and take one day at a time and you'll get through it. Um, I would say for those who are entering the field or, you know, start starting in their senior year that um, imposter syndrome is real. Um, it's very real, but you just have to, you know, believe and trust and, you know, all those skills that you've learned in school, you know, those are going to be what really help you and guide you through your internship and through your career. So, um, just like Nikki and Jackie were saying, just, you know, trust yourself, trust the process, especially now it's just so difficult with everything that's going on. Just remain flexible and resilient, really. Thank you everybody for those comments. I think that you are really three people who are gonna turn out to be um, incredible social workers and you know, in your careers and you are definitely on the right path of where you're supposed to be. So kudos to all of you. Um, you know, and just really those of you listening to understand that, you know, social workers are essential and there's so much that you can do with social work from working at adoption agency to um, the county to child welfare to international social work or working in a hospital or working in schools. There's 
have just so many opportunities for social work and that you, you know, might start your career in adoptions, but you might eventually end up, you know, working in a hospital or for a state agency or another nonprofit or, you know, somewhere across the world. So just knowing that there's such different types of opportunities, um, I think is important. Um, and my big thing is trust your instincts, right? Like you have the tools, you know, you have all these skills that you learned that you might not even recognize until you need them until all of a sudden you know what to say or what to do. Um, but remember to trust yourself because I think that's a big part of, of social work too. Yeah, definitely. Well, I am so thankful to have all of you here today for this episode. I think that it, you know, it, this is a great conversation. I, I definitely agree with Dr. Toth that, um, you know, I'm so happy to see you guys graduating in a few short weeks here and that and all the good work you've done here for us. So thank you and happy social work month to all the other social workers who are listening and all the other professionals tuning in today. This is uh, Adoptions from the Hearts podcast, Heart to Heart. You can visit our webpage at www.afth.org. We also have Adoptions from the Heart TV with Amanda Alberti, where we release episodes regarding all things related to adoption and the field of child welfare. And so we uh, recommend that if you haven't seen that, you check that out as well. Thank you so much for listening today. Mm-hmm.